Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 220 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, PT, and today we're going to be talking about identifying labral tears in the hip. We're going to first start off by going through a few milestones since this is our first episode in 2022. We'll go over some common mechanisms of injury, talk about the signs and symptoms of a hip labral tear. We'll go through a couple special tests that I like to use, and then we'll even talk about some of the management of these patients who have labral tears in the hip. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. At MedCore Professionals, we offer mobility aids, bracing and supports, compression garments, post-mastectomy care, and much more. Your health and well-being are important to us. Your recovery is our priority. Our certified team will guide you to the right products based on your medical needs, recent procedures, or mobility restrictions. Visit us on Route 1 in Scarborough or at MedCorePro.com. We are Mark and Kelly Hassett, owners of MedCore. And we keep you moving forward. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. Harnessing the power of technology to help you advance your career and improve patient outcomes, MedBridge delivers over 2,000 evidence-based CE courses and more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them from wherever you are. MedBridge goes beyond CEUs. They're leading the space. From interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first-ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. For a limited time, use promo code OEP to receive $175 off your annual subscription. Hello and welcome back, everyone. So the first thing I want to say is Happy New Year's to those of you who are listening to this podcast on its first airing date in 2022. Um, You know, I'm not a psychologist or a motivational speaker, and I'm not going to spend a whole heck of a lot of time, uh, you know, giving you the old tips on what to do with your life in 2022. But, you know, we've all had challenging times in 2020, 2021. Um, It's been kind of rough, and I think uh, we just need to work a little bit harder to try to overcome that. Um, And, you know, as far as, you know, OEP goes, you know, we've had some, we've had some growth. Uh, We've, uh, you know, hit the 9 million view mark and 40,000 sub mark uh, on YouTube. We've achieved our 200 episode goal and 300,000 downloads on podcast. And, um, you know, we have two new sponsors uh, this year medbridge and medcore and they've been super nice folks to uh, communicate with and and great you know i'm very grateful that i have them to help support oep and uh, so those are some of the things that we have achieved in 2021 and um you know i guess going forward one of the things that i might mention is that if you're gonna do anything focus on growth it might be personal growth it might be professional it might be in your social life um, but don't be afraid to you know take an extra step forward and to try to grow as you go forward okay you don't want to keep stagnant with your activities you know i'm the i'm the last person who ever thought would see a significant amount of growth with my work life, with my personal life, um, with podcasting i really never thought this would happen when i first started um, but it doesn't come easy and it requires a little bit of work. So in 2022, if you're going to do anything, folks, grow. 
okay? And it might be with one little activity. It might just be personal. You know, take an extra few minutes, visit a patient, give them a call at home and see how they're doing on a day, maybe when you're not working or uh, when they're not in the clinic and uh, check on them, but do something to grow. So as we continue on today, we're going to be talking about the labral tear in the hip. These are difficult, okay? There is nothing easy about identifying a labral tear in the hip, just like in the shoulder. And so I want to start off with a little bit of anatomy first, okay? So the the labrum in the hip is a fibrocartilaginous structure. So I always tell people it's kind of like, you know, if there was a basketball on the floor and you give it a kick, it would just roll ahead, right? But if you take that basketball and you put it inside of an inflated tube that is just a little bit bigger than that basketball, the basketball is going to sit in there. It's going to have sides to it. It's going to have a little bit of support, okay? So there are two things that the labrum of the hip does and number one it's to stabilize okay it's to help stabilize that that femoral head in the acetabulum it gives it some edges uh the the fibrocartilage or that labrum is attached to the acetabulum also attached to the surrounding capsular structure so it's very very strong tissue the next thing and one of the most important things that the labrum does is it produces a seal for that joint Okay, and so it helps to hold some of the fluid in there, it helps to hold the joint together, but more importantly, it helps to prevent the loss of fluid inside the joint. So every time you take a step and your femur strikes the acetabulum, there's a small layer of fluid between the femoral head and the acetabulum. And what happens is that little layer of fluid acts as a shock absorber. Okay, so imagine just taking your foot and stamping it on the on a hard concrete floor really hard that would be very painful right and you'd feel a lot of that vibration go right up through your leg and can be quite uncomfortable but now imagine taking a ziploc bag putting some water in it and sealing it putting it on the floor and stamping your foot on that okay that layer of water is going to slow your foot speed down before it actually hits the floor Okay, the bag is probably going to bust open. But imagine if we could reinforce the outer sides of that bag so it doesn't bust open, so that it just expands a little bit and then comes back to its normal shape. So when you stamp your foot on the floor, you're just not going to feel that heavy impact. Okay, and so basically, there's this really, really small layer of liquid between the femoral head and the acetabulum that gives you a little bit of shock absorption, okay? So that's where that labrum really comes into play in regards to absorbing shock, okay? We think that it directly absorbs shock through the cartilage, but it's really more from this sealing effect that it has. So how do people tear the labrum in the hip? Well, there are a couple different ways that it can happen. Um, the most common way is through some sort of a femoral acetabular impingement or FAI, such as in a pincer lesion or a cam lesion where the spur uh, on the acetabulum or the, the cam on the femur uh, just causes an impingement, usually on the front side of the hip and uh, that just breaks down the labrum that can cause you know some irritation a tearing of it um, pain and swelling and can really cause you a lot of trouble in regards to your hip now 
in the younger population, we're more apt to see people who have some sort of an injury, such as, you know, people who play sports, you know, hockey players, football players. We see it in dancers a lot. I've seen it in people who um, do race walking where the hip goes through an extreme of motion uh, and people who uh, do some downhill skiing where maybe they catch an edge and that leg is just taken off into a position that goes to an extreme. And when it does that, uh, it can actually tear the labrum, cause a lot of dysfunction, be quite painful, cause some clicking uh, and uh, some of the following symptoms. So not only do you, will you have some hip pain when you injure the labrum, but you can also develop some stiffness in the joint. So if you have an effusion in there, like an effusion in any joint, um, you increase the pressure inside the joint, it becomes a little bit stiff. Okay. You can sometimes have some clicking with certain motions, and usually the clicking is new. Like a lot of people will say, my hip clicks a lot or snaps or pops a lot, and it's not uncommon to have snapping in the hip. Some people get it from the SI joint and they think it's coming from the hip, um, but it has to be a new clicking since the injury uh, or a, just a sudden increase in the clicking. And then the other thing that I look for is this C-type pain, and by C, I mean C in parentheses, okay? So what you do is you take, let's say you take your left hand and you make a C with your thumb and index finger. And what you do is you place that around the left side of your ilium so that your, you know, your thumb is near the ASIS. Your index finger is near the piriformis glute med region. And it produces kind of a C type of, you know, position near your hip. And when I see people who have labral tears, they've very often have a hard time distinguishing where that pain is. So when I ask, put a finger where the pain is, they usually will do this like C-type position and they'll grab a hold of their hip on the side and say, it's in here somewhere, it's deep in here. You know, they don't know if it's from the groin or if it's from the backside, but it's deep inside of there. And that's kind of how they like to describe that. So that's a common symptom. Now, as far as special tests go clinically, Identifying uh, labral tears with special tests is difficult because the sensitivity and specificities just are not great with these. And there's a lot of carryover from other injuries, you know, like uh, iliopsoas tendonitis or hip arthritis uh, and, and uh, you know, piriformis syndrome and other issues that cause that deep type of discomfort. So just going by special tests alone is probably not a good idea, but I'll talk if, about a few of the tests that I really like to do in just a moment. So... How do we really hone in on this labral tear? Well, number one, I always start off with that mechanism of injury. You know, is this an unusual thing or, or you know, was this something that came from the past? Uh, and did the mechanism of injury require some sort of an abnormal range of motion? Did it go to an extreme of maybe external rotation and extension at the same time or, you know, a hyperflexion type of problem? Number two, do they have that C type of pain? Is it deep in the groin or deep in the glute? Number three, is there a new clicking or popping? Okay, is that something that just started since they developed um, this new discomfort in the hip? Number four, I like to do the Faber and Fader tests, okay? And I will add videos to the Faber and Fader. And one of the reasons I like to do those tests is that it identifies if there's some sort of intra-articular issue, okay? And we know that the labrum is intra-articular, so it can help with that. It takes the hip through a, you know, a quite a wide range of motion. And sometimes there will be that additional click that will happen um, when you are doing those two tests. But again, I'll have uh, links to those videos in the show notes. Number five, I like to scour the hip. So I like to take the hip into its full range of motion, do 
some internal external rotation while I'm scouring. I'm always careful to go very, very slowly with this. I tell the patient, I'm going to take your hip through a wide range of motion. And uh, I start easy on the first one. And then I might take him through a little bit wider range on the next one. And it's not uncommon to have a pain and click at the same time when you are doing this with people who have a labral tear. The last thing I look at is age. Uh, you know, are they 70 years old who developed a new pain in their hip or are they maybe 16 and uh, they are a dancer and uh, went through an extreme emotion or maybe slipped while they were doing a move and had this new discomfort. So um, if a person is a little on the older side, I need to be thinking arthritis, you know, and uh, those degenerative types of issues. If somebody has a liberal tear at 75, 80 years old, I'll pretty much guarantee you it's not going to get repaired. Um, they're probably just going to wait till they need a hip replacement. Um, but uh, if somebody is younger and it's really feeling painful, snapping a lot, and sometimes unstable, uh, then those folks really need to be seen by an orthopedic specialist and uh, move forward from there. Sometimes an intraarticular injection can help identify if the problem is intra versus extraarticular, and uh, that's very important in regards to treating it because you know the the acetabular labrum is probably not going to repair itself if you tear it, but there are activities you can do to help strengthen up the hip to help take pressure off of that acetabular labrum. Um, oftentimes, the most anterior superior aspect of the hip joint are what get affected. So I'm big on strengthening the glute max, glute med. I like to do isometrics into all positions and then work into some isotonics. Um, and I usually try to keep this in a limited range so we don't have a reproduction of the pain or reproduction of the clicking or snapping. I like to really add some core stability to this. And then if the patient can tolerate it, jump into some proprioception. Now, if you're going to do some cardiovascular activity, there's really nothing wrong with doing things like the elliptical or maybe some stationary cycling. You just need to make sure that you make adjustments so you don't go through those painful ranges. You want to make sure you keep a high seat on the stationary bike. I avoid, um, I avoid recumbent bikes because they just put your leg in an extreme of hip flexion and knee flexion, and that can be a little uncomfortable, and uh, it can also stress the back a little bit. So I like to use a regular upright bike with a high seat if possible, and uh, just avoid those, uh, those painful and clicky you know, areas. If you're not making any headway with your patients, then an orthopedic consult is then in order. They'll probably take some x-rays, maybe an MRI, maybe an arthrogram because the arthrogram can pick up that, that cartilaginous tissue a little bit better. And some of these folks need to undergo surgery to have these fixed. Now, there are a lot of people out there who can have labral tears and they're not symptomatic. Okay, they sometimes find a labral tear and it's just incidental or, um, you know, even though you have a labral tear, not everybody needs to have surgery. Sometimes just building stability in the hip and core can make a huge difference. And, you know, sometimes just a little modification of activity can um, can allow you to continue to do what you want to do when you have a labral tear in the hip. So, um, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, uh, be kind to each other. Go above and beyond. Take care. And this year, let's grow. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.